But I encourage you to check out check out the app. You can get all kinds of more. Or just look on YouTube. If you type in any of these questions, any one of these questions on YouTube, and put the words New City Catechism on it, you'll get Tim Keller, John Piper, or, um, Alistair Begg, all, all these different teachers, and they, they are answering those specifically, and it's really cool. But the other thing you might have noticed in your little booklet is that everything turned green. All the little icons turn green, which is exciting because now we're going into spirit restoration and growing in grace. Oh, better get my notes or I'm going to ramble. So, the first question is number that we're going to talk about today. Question number 36. I'll just tell you right now, it's going to get weird, okay? So, that's always fun. What do we believe about the Holy Spirit? That he is God, co-eternal with the Father and the Son. The longer answer says that he is God, co-eternal with the Father and the Son, and that God grants him irrevocably to all who believe. That is a really exciting bit. That God grants the Holy Spirit to everyone who believes in him irrevocably. We'll talk about that in a second. Question number 37. How does the Holy Spirit help us? The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and He enables us to pray and to understand God's Word. Wow. Alright, so let's talk about those two first. Whenever you got any question about anything in religion, okay, Gods, goddesses, beings, powers, whatever. I always tell people, go figure out what Jesus said about it. Figure out what Jesus said about it first. And from there, you'll, you'll go on to other things. So, if we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, let's figure out what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. And you should already know where we're going to go. Because I already gave you a hint while we're having communion, because it's really important. So we're going to go to the Last Supper, and we're going to start in John 14. So at the Last Supper, John 14, verse 10, Jesus says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. I don't just talk willy-nilly, Jesus says. But the Father who dwells in me does His works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves, the believe in the miracles. All right, so my dad, when he was young, he was in an accident and he lost his left hand. Okay? So he went through most of his adult life with no left hand. So one day I'm at a Bible study, and there's this guy... And he keeps looking at me. And he's just consternated. I mean, he's just... He's working his face all up into this weird business. And he keeps looking at me. And then he looks at my hands. And then he's looking at me. I'm like, this is kind of weird. Don't know who this guy is, but it's cool. Keep talking. And he says, what? What's your name again? And I said, Dan? 
He's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. You just look so much like a guy I know named Tim. And I said, oh, Tim Sullivan is my dad. He's like, oh, that's it. Wait a minute, how old are you? You know, and he's all confused, but it's the whole thing of, you know, when you don't see somebody, they don't age. So then when you see them again and they're like 12 years older, it doesn't make any sense. They should still be, I mean, Caleb's still eight, even though he's going to turn 12 this week. So this guy knew my dad, hadn't seen my dad for 20 years, saw me at the age that he last saw my dad, basically, and I looked so much like my dad, he was totally confused that I had a left hand. Because <laughs> he thought I was my dad. So that was funny. Funny on him. Kind of cool on me. Hooray. That, that is a, 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 just a terrible example. But that's one of the closest ones I can get. That Jesus is explaining that he's so much the father. But he's separate. But he's the same. But he's, gosh, he's just so much like the Father that they're the same. Even that falls short. It's probably some heresy that committed in 300. Jesus and the Father are part of the Trinity, which is God, which is one single God, right? We talked about this a couple weeks ago, and it kind of blows your mind and gets cosmic. But notice how Jesus says, I don't do anything on my own authority, but the Father does his works. Okay, you're going to hold on to that. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. That's exciting. Greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. So Jesus says, I don't do anything except the Father, what the Father tells me to do. Whatever the Father does, he does through me. I'm going to leave, and whoever believes in me will do the things that I do, maybe even more, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this is what I'll do, so the Father will be glorified in the Son. We are just so together that He knows, Jesus is saying, the Father and I, we just know what each other do, right? I have a buddy and I can make, I can start to make a joke with him and hint at the joke and he will send me a gif that is the joke. And it's like the exact joke. And it's like we are thinking the same way. Again, such a poor example, but this is Jesus and the Father. They just know each other. So Jesus goes on. This is in uh, 1415. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You, you, you just you want to do this stuff. You want to do the same things that I do, right? I'll ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world can't receive. The world neither sees Him or knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you, and He will be in you. All right, so this is where it gets crazy. You might have a translation that has a word, paraclete in this spot. And sometimes when you're, you're singing hymns, um, we haven't come across one lately, but we might as we get to Pentecost and sing about the Holy Spirit more, where it has the word paraclete in it. And you're like, what in the heck is a paraclete? What does that have to do with anything? I never heard that word before. 
So in the ESV, it says, I will ask the Father and he will give you a helper to be with you forever. And this word helper is such a good explanation of the Holy Spirit. So in ancient times, in Jesus' day, if you were going to go to court and you were going to be taken to trial, you could get a paraclete and they could go to court with you and sit in court and they would be with you, beside you to help you talk through your testimony or talk through what you're going to say. If you were going to go buy something, you could get a paraclete to come along beside you and their signature was as good as your signature. Do you ever have a friend and you're trying to make a decision and you're like, man, I just need to bounce this idea off of you. I'm thinking about becoming a professional hot dog salesman and selling them out of the back of my Toyota Camry on Riverside. And I want, you to, kn- I want to know from you if this is a good idea. That person that's with me to say, dude, do not sell hot dogs out of the back of your Toyota Camry on Riverside. That's stupid. That's my paraclete. That's my person with me to help me, to counsel me, to guide me. I used to do, I used to be on the rotation when I worked at Crossroads and for hospitals. And you'd get the list of people that were in the hospital and you'd be like, oh. And at the beginning, you'd be like, oh, I don't want to go to the hospital. Oh, hospital calls. Oh, sick people. Oh. You know what the best thing to do on a hospital call was? To go and show up. Because man, when people show up and you're there, they don't care if you got the right thing to say. They don't care if you've got miraculous powers and you can and heal everything. They're just glad you're there. They're just glad you came. And I think about that when I think about the paraclete. That Jesus says, I will send a helper, another Notice he said, I'll give you another helper. Who is the first helper? Jesus. Peter, James, John, I'm going away. I'm going to send another guy like me to help you who will be with you all the time. And that's the Holy Spirit. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You'll see me no more, but then you'll see me. And he says a bunch of other things and he talks about, I'm coming. I'm going to skip down to John 14, 26. He talks about the helper again. These things I've spoken to you while I'm with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So Jesus is with them and he's teaching them. None of these guys have been thrown in jail. None of these guys have been shipwrecked. None of these guys have been, uh, I mean, we could go through the whole list of everything that's going to happen to Paul, right? They called Paul Zeus and Mercury, and they started burning offerings to, to Paul. And he was like, stop it, quit doing this. Jesus wasn't there to say, hey, Paul, whenever they do this, tell them to stop. This is stupid. Instead, Jesus says the Holy Spirit will continue to be with you. Jesus never once mentioned the Internet. But the Holy Spirit is with us to teach us and to guide us how to handle the internet, right? 
Jesus never spoke about home mortgages and escrow and paying taxes. I mean, in America. (laughs) He said a lot about taxes to Caesar, right? The Holy Spirit is along with us. So the question, what do we believe about the Holy Spirit? One of the most foundational, wonderful, first things we can believe is that Jesus sent him to be with us all the time. That the Holy Spirit is always with us. As soon as we believe in him, he is sent. So then, this is kind of cool about all the context and and the way Jesus talks about this. He talks about this in John 14. John 15, all of John 15, you recognize it. I'm the vine, you're the branches, right? We got it on our banners. Being in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit being in you is like a vine growing off of the branches. We're just, you don't do anything. You don't, you know, move in some way or say magic words. You're just a part of him. And he is a part of us. And then he gets to John 16 and he comes back to talking about the Holy Spirit. And I want to challenge you, the next time you read John 15 and the vine and the branches, what if Jesus never stopped talking about the Holy Spirit? What if he talked about the Holy Spirit all the way through 14 and 15? The vine and the branches is all about the Holy Spirit and you being in him and him being in you and us being in God. And then he goes into 16. It's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I'll send him. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So there's not many times that Jesus completely explains himself. Sometimes he'll say things and it sounds kind of cosmic and it's hard to understand. You're like, whoa, I wonder what that is. And you get with some people and you interpret it and you figure it out. Not this time. This time Jesus explains what he means. The Holy Spirit is going to convict the world concerning sin. Because they do not believe in me. So this happens to me sometimes in conversations with people that don't believe. That don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe Christianity is true. And they have some kind of general idea about cosmos But all of a sudden, they have a hard time deciding what's right and wrong. Like, this is wrong, but I don't really have any authority to say it's wrong. I I heard somebody recently say, I'm really just trying to have some forgiveness for this person. And they themselves have not felt the forgiveness of Jesus. And so where are they going to get it from if they've never been taught it, right? If I gave you a hammer and you had no idea what it was used for or how it was used and you never saw anybody hit it, you might even hold it the wrong way. You might hold it by the metal thing and, you know, poke stuff with the wooden handle. The Holy Spirit is going to convict the world concerning sin because they don't know that the world has fallen and that Jesus has come to save it. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, you'll see me no longer. Righteousness is going to be shown off at the cross. The most holy, righteous, I did everything right person in 
all of creation and all of history is going to get put on a cross. That is wrong, right? And his righteousness will show because he will follow God all the way to the cross. He will obey the Father. He will do what the Father wants him to do, not his own will like Adam did. And then concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The ruler of this world solves problems by killing. The ruler of this world thought it could solve the problem by killing Jesus. And then what happened? Jesus rose from the dead. He said, death has no power over God. God's mercy and his grace can even beat death. Boom. You're done. You're judged. Then Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't take it. You guys, I just blew your minds. He's sitting there at dinner. I just blew your minds telling you that the bread is my body and the wine is my blood. That there's another one that's going to come that's just like me, but it's going to live inside of you. You have many things to say, but the Holy Spirit will teach you. There's more for you to learn after Jesus rises from the dead. And you'll hear, listen to what he says. He will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. Who else said they won't speak on their own authority? And whatever they hear, they're going to speak. Jesus. So this is, show, this is where we get another look into the Trinity. That just like Jesus didn't speak on his own authority... But he did what the Father told him. The Holy Spirit isn't going to speak on his own authority, but only what Jesus tells him to say. And now all of a sudden you see how much God himself is a unity, is a, is a, is a, is a collective plural singular thing, even among himself. He's only one God, but here he is. Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore that I said he'll take what is mine and declare it to you. And now all of a sudden, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all a part of you. Just because you believed it was true. You have all of this... Okay, so now you're like, okay, now what do I do? (laughs) What do I do with that? Can I fly? Can I shoot lightning bolts out of my hands? Question 38. What is prayer? Oh, Oh, maybe this is what we do. What is prayer? Prayer is pouring out our hearts to God. Question 39. With what attitude should we pray? With love, perseverance... And gratefulness. So I had this friend, and I was like, oh man, I'm gonna put this light up on my back porch, and I want a motion detector light and a spotlight. And my buddy says, You need to call Mr. Fix It and ask him to do it. And I'm thinking in my head, you know, I'm gonna spend the rest of the afternoon making four trips to Home Depot. Maybe shock myself a little bit, and we're going to get this light hooked up and figured out. And my buddy's like, no, you need to call Mr. Fix-It. Here. And he gets on his phone, and he dials the number. He goes, here, ask for Mr. Fix-It. He'll do whatever you tell him. Okay? 
Guy answers the phone. I said, hi, uh, is this Mr. Fix-It? He said, yep. I said, how's it going? My name's Dan. He says, hi, Dan. What do you need? He said, well, I was going to put a motion detector light up on my back porch. Um, and Jeff said to call you. He said, okay, what's your address? I told him my address. He said, don't get anything. I'll be right over. For real? Yeah. What? Do you, is there a light there already? I said, yeah. So you already got electrical going there? Yeah. Okay, I'll be right over. And I hung up the phone. And that was the weirdest thing ever. I was like, dude, this guy is coming to my house. And he said, okay. He's like, okay, good. I told you to call Mr. Fix-It. I was like, I'm not ready to pay some electrician. I mean, if I was going to pay an electrician and a contractor to come, I would have done, oh, don't worry about it. Don't, he's not going to charge you. Don't, don't worry about it. So this dude shows up at my house. No joke. And he's like, hey, how are you? And I get his real name instead of Mr. Fix-It. And he goes back and he looks at it all and he writes down all this stuff. And he gives it to my buddy Jeff and says, go to Home Depot and buy all this stuff. My buddy Jeff goes to Home Depot and I'm like, what do you want me to do? He's like, you can go about your Saturday. We'll take care of it for you. The dude took care of the whole thing. Like put in these waterproof lights with the big old toggle switch because he said the motion detector would be going off all the time anyway and all I really needed was a toggle, which was true. In the end, we found this out. He did the whole thing. It was all done. Guess how much it cost me? I have no idea. I didn't pay a thing. If we knew, if I had known Mr. Fix-It, and I had known that that would have worked out that way, right? Then I would have called him up. And I would have said, Mr. Fix-It, I want a light. I need somebody else to say to me, you need to call Mr. Fix-It. And he'll take care of everything. I really think that's how we are with prayer. God wants to help you so much. He wants to help you in so many parts of your life that are so much deeper than you could ever imagine. And he wants you to ask him and he wants you to talk to him. And you know how it says we should pour out our hearts before God. Sometimes it's praise. Sometimes it's petition. Sometimes it's confession. Sometimes it's thanksgiving. That relationship of talking to God can feel the most one-sided thing in the world. I have a buddy, and he is like, I don't even know what this hear from the Holy Spirit means. I love it when he says that. Because I know within about 30 seconds, he's going to be like, oh yeah, yesterday I was driving my car, and, and I just thought, this is stupid, but I think I'm going to turn this way instead of that way. And I came right up behind my daughter, whose car had just broken down, and I was able to get out and help her out, and blah, 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 blah. It, he has these things that happen in his life that are so Holy Spirit, like you couldn't cover it with orange paint and light it on fire to make it more obvious that it's the Holy Spirit working. And he regularly says, I just wish I knew how to hear from the Holy Spirit. I'm like, dude, this is, well, look, you did this, you made this decision, you did this thing. I think that's what we need to encourage us to pray and encourage us how to pray for things. We, we, we tell things. I, I came swooping in here driving like Danny Sullivan in 1985, 8500, and we hit every green light. And Cindy said, I was praying for every green light because <laughs> you're driving like a maniac. <laughs> 
and that we wouldn't die. We can pray for all kinds of things, you guys. There is nothing too small. God never says, oh my gosh, I am the Lord of heaven and earth, and all you're asking me for is a stinking green light. Right? No. Come to him. Ask him things. Jesus said that he would send the Holy Spirit to be with us, right next to us. If you don't know how to pray to the Holy Spirit, you don't know how to talk like the Holy Spirit is there. I I invite you, that open car seat next to you, just start talking to God like he's sitting in that car seat next to you. Just start talking to God like he's at the other couch cushion at the opposite end of the couch. And pray like that. It's amazing how that works. And how, uh, okay, I'm telling a lot of stories today. Me and my buddies, we used to go and we'd pray all night and different places. And one morning in the morning, we're driving away and we look down on this lake And there are two metal folding chairs sitting by the side of the lake facing each other. And I said, oh man, looks like somebody had a conversation down by that lake. Totally no clue, right? My buddy in the car, he's like, I sat there and talked to God last night. I was like, whoa, dude, found a folding chair, sat it up, sat across, and just prayed. I love that. The Lord loves that. Classic thing that happens to me every time I go to a business conference with any of my coworkers, I come back, I talk like all of them, I laugh like all of them. My wife is totally freaked out. She's like, You talk just like so and so. You sound just like so and so. Why? Because I've been around them. I struggle when I come up here and preach. If I've been listening to Alistair Begg during the week, I have to try real hard to not sound like Alistair Begg when I talk up here because I've been listening to this. When you spend time with God, you will start to talk like Him. I promise you. So the last two questions we're going to talk about today, and these two are awesome. Question 40, what should we pray? And the answer is terrible. The whole word of God directs us in what we should pray. (laughs) I am so sorry for that answer. What should I pray? Well, the Bible tells you what to pray. Okay, so I'm going to go to Psalm 139. God, banish the children of my enemies on the rocks. Okay. No! (laughs) There are... Many prayers in the Bible. Uh, I had a good friend and he said, if you pray for the things that the Bible tells you to pray for, you know God will answer those prayers. There's a lot of prayers in the letters that Paul wrote. In Ephesians, there are some prayers written in Ephesians that you can pray today. There are prayers in Galatians that you can pray today. But they're setting us up for question 41. What is the Lord's Prayer? And the answer is the whole Lord's Prayer, right? And so let's talk about that. In Luke, the disciples come and they tell Jesus, 
John the Baptist told his disciples how to pray. Teach us how to pray. This is in Luke chapter 11. And Luke 11's version is shorter than the one that we say here. It's shorter. We say one close to the one in Matthew. But Luke, he gives this answer. Here's how you should pray. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And then he gives a teaching about prayer. And in Luke, his teaching about prayer is when you ask for something, when you ask your parents for something, who among you does your parents give you something bad, give you something rotten, give you something gruesome? And he talks about that. So hold that in your head. Matthew 6 is the other place where we get the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is just talking. He's just giving this big teaching. Matthew 6, 5, he says, When you pray, don't be like hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so they can be seen by others. They have received their reward. These are people that would go and they would pray and they would blow trumpets and bang cymbals and make a ruckus so everybody would be like, Oh man, that they really know how to pray. They are really good at praying. I think about this every time, uh, times when I've been asked to pray in public as part of a ceremony of a thing, like a a sports thing or or whatever. I think about this every inauguration or every time there's a Senate opening and they have prayer where those guys read off a prayer and it's like real and structured and it's kind of more of a speech than a prayer. That's fine. That's okay. But that's not prayer that Jesus talks about that involves the Holy Spirit and engages the heart of God. Right? When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. If I am in a room with the door closed in secret, do I even have to use proper grammar? No. Do I have to make sure I say everything just the right way so God can understand me? No. That's how Jesus says to pray. Prayer is more about you engaging in a relationship with God than having all the right words. He goes on to say, Don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. It was a practice in this day to pray for something. Uh, I need a glass of water. And they would last list off. Athena, give me a glass of water. Hermes, give me a glass of water. Andromeda, give me a glass of water. Euripides, give me a glass of water. Stinky knees, give me a glass of water. I made that last one up. And they would list off all the names hoping some one of those gods or goddesses would hear them and give them the glass of water. And that just reveals their lack of faith, right? We don't know which one of these is real, so we're just going to get all of them. And maybe we'll hit the target. Say no. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Therefore, pray like this. And He gives the Lord's Prayer. 
When he says, in Luke, when he says, when you ask for something, God knows what you need. I can't tell you how many times I've sent one of my kids on a mission that I know is too hard. Um, Don't listen to this part. I send them on a mission that I know is too hard for them because I want them to try to figure it out. And one of the best things ever is when they come back and they say, this and this and this, and I can't figure out this part. Can you help me? This happens. This is now happening with cars with Isaac and David, right? I'm like, dude, you need this tool right here. And I give it to them, and they're like, wow, I didn't even know there was a gizmo that did this thing and did that thing, and now it's all easy, and they, you know, change all the brakes in the car or whatever. You guys, your heavenly Father does not want you to struggle and to be discouraged and to be wiped out and be defeated. He lets us get into circumstances. He lets us get into spots. And then He loves to be with us, the Holy Spirit that He sent, to be with us in it, to watch us figure out His character as we figure this thing out. We might not ever figure out the situation, but boy, now I know what God's like when I go through this thing. He says, Jesus says, you who are evil, when your kids ask you for stuff, when your kid asks for an egg, you don't give them a rock. They ask you for fish, you don't give them a snake. How much more does the Father want to give you the Holy Spirit? What? The Holy Spirit? Yes. And it goes right back to everything that we started talking about today. Alright, short word about the Lord's Prayer. Jesus just said not to repeat words mindlessly forever and ever. And here we are repeating the Lord's Prayer every Sunday at every AA meeting. They repeat the Lord's Prayer. It's not an AA meeting unless they say the Lord's Prayer. That's like a joke that AA people tell. Why do we repeat this over and over again? Okay, if you go to a basketball practice, I don't care if it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, if it's the best basketball players in the world, when they warm up, They're probably going to do push-ups and they're probably going to do lay-ups. Because if a basketball player, even if they're a professional basketball player and they can't do a layup, they're not going to be able to play in the game. That is like fundamental stuff. And I think when Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer, when He said, here is how you pray, He was saying to a whole bunch of people that didn't know how to pray, start here. Do this. If you want to know just the fundamental base level of how to pray, you recognize that God is your Father. Recognize that forgiveness is an integral part of this relationship. He gives you everything that you trust Him to lead you and you trust that He's not going to lead you into temptation and you trust that He's going to deliver you. And so all of a sudden, you know, should I pray for Donald Trump? Should I pray for Joe Biden? Should I pray for Russia? Should I pray for Ukraine? Should I pray for the Cubs or should I pray for the Cardinals? All of a sudden, the church can be unified in the Lord's Prayer. And as we pray the Lord's Prayer together, 
all of a sudden we're all praying for the same thing because by golly, that's what Jesus told us to pray for. And I don't know what the fate of the Cardinals is going to be. And I don't know about the Cubs, if they're holy and righteous or not. But I know Jesus told us to pray the Lord's Prayer so we can be a church. And I don't mean just Westminster. I mean every Christian in town that calls on the name of the Lord Jesus. That we can be unified in that prayer. And so I want to encourage you. Pray it with passion. Pray it like you mean it. Pray it over and over again. Meditate on what those words are. Because what will happen is someday you won't even be able to get past our Father in Heaven. And you might pray about our Father in Heaven and meditate on that for six weeks. Before you ever get to how holy His name is. That's how He works. That's what He does. So... I think it's awesome that this whole thing comes back around to the Holy Spirit. That Jesus' teaching on the Lord's Prayer is, I want to help you so bad. I'm going to send somebody to be with you. And whenever you ask for the Holy Spirit to be there and to teach you, I will. But it might not look like the way you think. But we can trust Him that He'll be there. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. That you fulfill all of your promises. That you come and that you are with us. And you might not solve our problems. But you solve our relationship with you. And the depths of our souls are cleansed and healed. And you guide us in righteousness and holiness and peace. I pray that you would show us how you do that this week. Teach us how to pray. And lead us. In your holy goodness, with your Holy Spirit, we praise you, Lord. Amen. All right. Let's stand and sing number three.